0: everybody how we doing are we doing good for real come on come on give me give me just a little bit of feedback on that one all right I just need to know you're alive okay all right so we're alive we're doing good right we're ready for today are you ready for today I hope you are I hope you are hey how many guys have been um, you know joining us for this this read bible program that we started just a couple of weeks ago how many people in here have been joining us for that come on let me see your hands really quick All right, good, we have people all over the place. We have over 200 of you who signed up and said, look, I want to read the Bible with my fellow New Lifers, and I want to strategically be reading certain portions of the Bible. Since we're going through the book of James, we've been reading some of the passages that we've been preaching on, Um, and as we continue on, you're going to be reading portions of James that we're not even preaching on. So you're going to want to be a part of that. You can still sign up. The information for that should already be on the screens. So uh, you can get all that access, and you can sign up there. You can go to our website, mindalivechurch.com. You can get signed up as well. So that goes for everybody. That goes for you that are worshiping with us online at all of our campuses, everybody here at the Kearney campus as well. Um, So please sign up because then you get to read Scripture with us on Tuesday. And on Thursday, and then you get to join this very special Zoom call that we started at 7 p.m. where we've been having somewhere in the neighborhood about 75 to 80 people that are actually on the call. And then we split into groups of like 8 to 10 on Zoom, right? And then we come back together and we share some of our findings as we're talking about what we're evaluating from Scripture, what we're applying with Scripture, and the D is we're discussing it. So... I want you to be a part of that. But right, we're gonna be looking today in James chapter two, verses one through nine. So you're gonna to wanna to get your Bible, okay? If you don't have your Bible with you, I want you to do that. Uh, and just to kind of set this up, James is asking a very strategic question. He's asking this question to all of us today. How in the world can you call yourselves followers of Jesus if you show favoritism to some over others? That's the question. It's really, that's the focus today. How in the world can you call yourself a Jesus follower if you actually, in some fashion, form, shape, whatever, in your heart, in your deeds, show favoritism to some over others? I think that's a really important question. Because you think about it. Go all the way back to like when we were in high school. When I was in high school, who were the most popular people walking the halls of your school? Right? Who were they? They they were the athletes. I mean, in my school, it was the athletes. I asked my wife the question, she goes, well, it was the male athletes back then, and it was the cheerleaders, all right? So that was her perspective. What was your perspective, right? Some people had this favoritism on their life because of the title or what they were involved with. While they're in the midst of you know, whatever school you went to, I went to a school that had thousands, maybe you went to a school that had hundreds or even tens, all right? But while in the midst of all of that, there were still other students that had incredible, amazing talents that unfortunately went unseen. So Some were given the favoritism, others went unseen. And you know, we brought brought this same attitude all the way through college. We brought it right into our adulthood. You realize that even in the world you and I live in today, right now, The people that tend to get the favoritism are those that are the successful business and community leaders. Those that are the, you know, so-called rich and famous, they're the ones that get that kind of special treatment. Or those who kind of project their lives as having it all together. Which, come on, we all know, if, if you're projecting your life to have it all together, there's enough cracks that we can tell you don't have it together. You see what I'm saying? Uh, But but nevertheless, these are the people that get a lot of attention. These are the kind of people that get all the extras. These end up being the people that their lives many times are coveted by others. All the while, there's wonderful, amazing, life-giving, and check this out, low-maintenance, all right, people, right, because how many people know that sometimes Sometimes those who are the declared, self-declared, rich and famous are some pretty high-maintenance people, right? <clears throat> so all the while, we've got these amazing people who are being overlooked and they're being unseen. So James, if he, was, if he was here today preaching the message, he would just say to you out of basically James chapter 2, verse 1, he, he would say these words, My dear brothers and sisters, Right? How can you claim to have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ if you you have favor for some people over others? How can you do that? And then he goes on, and he says he says a few other things in there, and I, I just wanna I just wanna read it for you in uh, verse two of James chapter one. He goes on. And he says, for for example, so. Suppose someone comes into your meeting, and he starts breaking it down, gives us examples. Suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If, if you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there, or maybe you can even just sit on the floor. Well, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by what? Yeah. That's a powerful word, by the way. I want you to hang on to that. This favoritism that he's talking about that we show, he's boiling it back to our evil motives, something that's, that's not godly coming from the heart. <clears throat> so in verse 5, he says, Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be, to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom that he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into the courts? Aren't they the ones who slander, you know, Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Verse 8, you indeed, you, yes, indeed, right? It is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. James chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. How can you claim? How can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? Let's just break it down. Let's talk about it a little bit. So let's go back, okay? I want you to look again very closely with me now at how he starts giving these examples in verses 2 through 4. So he says, like, for example. So let's remember what it said. Let's reiterate it, right? Suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry <clears throat> and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If, if you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person and you say to the poor one, right, you can stand over there or else you can sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Now oh, look, you, you might say to yourself like, well, Jeff, look, <laughs> I've never done this and I would never do that. Like that's just not who I am. And you know what? I agree with you. I agree with you that that example, exactly the way he said it, is probably not going to be the way that you're going to live it out. You're going to live it out slightly different. Something different is going to go down. But that exact example, and so you might be saying to yourself, well, that example doesn't fit me. I'm good. I'm okay with this one. Let's move on. Jeff, I'm going to check my email. I'm going to wait for point two of the message. And if that's who you are right now, then you're gonna miss it, okay? You're gonna miss it, because I want you to look at some different perspectives that come really right out of this understanding. How about this? Have you ever tried to get really close to some people so that you could elevate your status? Have you ever, have you ever in all of your life wanted to be the person that's seen with the boss so that some people would think that you are more powerful than others? Have you ever been somebody who has name-dropped a name Because you wanted people to think or to know you know that person. That person knows you. Have you ever been that person that was, you know, like you wanted to show everybody, hey, on social media, this person made a post about me. right? Have you ever wanted to be close to people to elevate yourself? Unfortunately, I've been caught in this scenario. But not like you think. You know, as a pastor and being, have a heart for the world and having opportunities over my, over the course of my life to be in many different countries and be around many different people, I've discovered that there are times, not every time, but there are times that there is favoritism shown towards me because I am an American and I'm an American pastor. I know as a fact that there have been moments when certain pastors in foreign countries have the poor third world countries have wanted me to preach in their church so that they could say to their other pastor friends and other community leaders, yeah, I'm the guy who has the American pastor, the set, successful American pastor preaching in my church. I know that that has happened. I also know that there are people in those churches that have tried to target me Um, and others that I've taken to try to pull us aside, to maybe get us to come over to their house for a meal, not because of their generosity, but because they want their neighbors to see that they have a successful American, rich American friend that is coming to their house. Or they want to take us out for a meal, uh, right? And it sounds really good, but it's because they want to be seen with us in public. And unfortunately, I've discovered this because many times following these moments... Somewhere when I'm getting ready to leave, somewhere in the conversation, there is an association that comes with, hey, by the way, we have a financial need. I was wondering if you might help us meet it. Right? And look, I would give myself to them freely. I would just freely come and bless and give myself to them. But when you start to sense a manipulation, it starts to leave a really bad taste in your mouth. And We often do very similar things here in America. We will give from one American to another. We'll give certain people our very best time, and we'll give others our not-so-best time. There's certain people, we'll give our very best time to them, especially those who have power and those who have influence, maybe those who have financial wealth. We'll, we'll even drop what we're doing with some people right in the middle of very important things. If certain people call us, we'll drop what we're doing and we will race over there to help them. If they call and we see their number on the phone, some of you will tell your spouse, sorry, I can't talk to you anymore. That's, that's how important, that's, that's how we like to get close to certain people to elevate ourselves. And we'll drop other things, right? This is a form of favoritism. Because you know good and well there are other people that call you that you are thankful for caller ID because when their name shows up on the phone, you're like, I don't have time for that. You see what I'm saying? There is a form of favoritism, and I get it. I get it. There are certain people in life that I'm not talking about their finances and their power and their influence. There are certain people that are life givers, and there are certain people that are drainers. Okay, And I'm not going to point out who you are right now. (laughs) but in all of our lives we have those people that's not what we're talking about here we're we're talking about showing favoritism because of people's status and because of who they are over others i think all of us have dealt with this in one way or another so now maybe you're not the person that would have a rich and a poor person come into your house and tell a poor person go sit on the floor but maybe you just found yourself in this scripture in a brand new way There's another perspective of it. James even uses the word discrimination. I think it's unfortunate that in our world right now, in America especially, there is a great work from the enemy that's trying to divide our nation, causing us to discriminate against one another, especially based on race right now. And that's being driven by white Americans, but it's also being driven by black Americans, by the way. It's on both sides of the fence, and the enemy is loving it, and he just keeps adding fuel to the fire. The enemy wants to do everything he can to divide us. He wants us to start showing more favoritism to those who look like us, who sound like us, who come from similar backgrounds as us. He wants us to prejudge you know, people you know, based on their differences that we have with one another. And you know what? When I hear people, I hear some people, they sound super pious. They sound super amazing when they say, hey, you know what? I, I don't see skin color. Like, I, I'm, I'm colorblind. I don't see skin color. I just want you to know right now, I don't believe those people, right? Because I have eyes too, right? And I know this. I know what they're trying to say, but we all see a skin color, right? And that's not the problem. The problem isn't your first thought when it comes to discrimination, towards people of other races, towards people of gender, uh, towards people of economic status, towards people of different countries, right? The discrimination isn't what our first thought is. Discrimination is always what your second thought is. It has nothing to do with, I'm white, you're black. I'm white, you're Hispanic, right? You're brown, It has nothing to do with that. It's always what the second thought is. That's what determines whether you've got discrimination in your heart that's coming from these evil, evil desires that are within us. It would be like this. Hey, the person's black, first thought. Second thought, okay, might be this. They're not safe. If that's your second thought, there's evil workings that are going on inside of your heart. It could be just the opposite. First thought is, that person's white. Second thought is, they're snobby and they're bigoted. It's the second thought that always comes, right? That person is poor. First thought. Second thought. What is it? That's where the discrimination and the evil works are at. That person is rich. First thought. Second thought. What is it? That's where the evil desires come. That that's not necessarily the thing you always speak. That's the thing that is hidden someplace in our hearts. One of the things I love is I love the diversity of my family. I think I'm blessed. I wish that all of you had the diversity that I have in my family. On Friday afternoon at 2.30, we welcomed four new grandchildren into our family. Our oldest daughter, Brittany, and her husband, Edward King III, adopted four kids and I get to show you their picture for the very first time. They're not the only family that I know of. Earlier this week on Monday, the Watsons here at our Carney campus, they adopted three girls. Right? They brought them into their family. And so we're not the only ones. That's awesome. I applaud them too. But this is my family. Look at Edward King III. I mean, come on. Who wouldn't want a son-in-law like that? Like, don't make me, don't make me call Edward King III on you guys. All right. Now, affectionately, we call him Tank, and um, there's a reason why we call him Tank, right? He's a big dude. He's a big dude. You don't want to mess, you don't want to mess with him. But um, on Friday afternoon, we went from seven grandchildren to 11 grandchildren. Six of those 11 grandchildren are black or mixed. Five of them are white. I've got a, a black friend that I grew up with in St. Louis, went to high school together. He pastors in St. Louis. All right in, a, in an urban church, and we've recently been reconnecting. And I preach at his church, and you know God's God's doing great stuff in his life. And I was telling him about you know how hey look man, we just we just officially adopted into our family four more kids. I went from seven to eleven grandchildren. And he goes, yeah, I know. I had to call my own kids and tell them my white friend Jeff in Nebraska's got more black grandchildren than we do. I was like, you guys better get with the game. <laughs> and it just, caught, it caught, I, I cracked up, you know. And we just laughed about that, and we had, a good, we had a good time. But that diversity has tore down walls. That diversity has removed stereotypes. That diversity has caused discrimination and favoritism and all of these skewed ideas to just kind of go away in my heart and in the hearts of my family. And I love that, and I wish that really for all of you. Because I think it's a lot like what Jesus did with people. Jesus did this, and it's something that we need to apply to our own lives in light of this favoritism thought that James brings up. And that's just that we need to love everyone just the way they are, but we've we got to love people enough just not to leave them the way we find them. It's not with the attitude of, I'm going to fix you. It's not even with the attitude of, I'm going to change you. It's with the attitude, I'm going to love you the way that Christ loves you. And that means that as I rub my life against your life, I want to leave you better than I found you. Jesus finding a woman who had been cheating on her, wife, on, on her husband, and she's drugged out into the streets. And there's Jesus walking by, and he gets drugged into the scenario. And, and instead of going, well, man, this here's this woman that committed adultery, and I'm just going to get away from this. Like, forget you, lady. Like, you can just deal with your own stuff. I'm going to go hang out with the important people. Instead of doing that, Jesus gets down on her level. Where she's knelt down in the dirt, Jesus kneels down in the dirt. Jesus loves her right where she is in a very unique way. But then he leaves her better than he found her when he tells her a way that she can go and she can live better than what she was living. That's what he had the moment for and he sees the moment. And then out of the scene, Jesus goes. And we don't know anything else about the woman, but we know this. In that moment, he displayed incredible love and he displayed a way how he could love her in a way that would leave her better than he found her. And that's exactly what he does. Like the guy who is the tax collector, who's described as a small, statured man, Zacchaeus, who can't see over the crowd when Jesus is coming, so he climbs up into this little tree, and he's looking down at the crowd, and Jesus comes by, and he stops, and he looks up into the tree, and he goes, Zacchaeus, come down quickly! There's something important that's gotta happen now. I'm coming over to your house. I hope you got it clean. I added that last part, by the way. Right? And and then they rush off to his house, and you know, somewhere in the midst of those few hours of interaction, Jesus is loving this man who many people would have avoided. He's a tax collector. Man, it wasn't important that Jesus be seen with him. That's gonna lower his status, not raise his status. But Jesus isn't coming into town to go hang out with the rich and the famous. Jesus is coming into town to love people right where they are. He comes in and he meets with Zacchaeus and we know that Jesus leaves him better than he found him because Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector, a thief, a a man who was stealing from from other people, Zacchaeus ends up deciding to give half of what he has to the the poor and to the needy. And then Zacchaeus says, I'm going to pay back four times the amount that I've stolen from everyone. Wow. That's what Jesus does. Jesus didn't discriminate. Jesus didn't show favoritism. Jesus didn't prejudge. Jesus just came into the lives of the the needy, and he met them right where they are, and he loved them, and he loved them in such a way that he could leave them better than he found them. So look, Jesus wasn't going around on this planet looking for the powerful. Jesus was walking around looking for those who had potential. Guys, that's how we should live. We don't go around seeing how many powerful, influential people we can get around to make ourselves feel better. We should go walk around this world looking through the spiritual lens of potential. Where do I see God at work in the hearts of people? Who cares what their skin color is? Who cares what their economic status is? Who cares what their influence is? If we sense spiritual potential, we should dive in and start making the investment like Jesus did, loving all of God's people equally. Amen? Come on. All right, so James continues on with this whole thought of how in the world can you call yourself a Christ follower if you show favoritism, right, to some over others? Verses five through seven, he goes, hey, listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in in, in their faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom that he promised to those who love him? But you, you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who who slandered Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear. In this attitude of showing favoritism, can, can we just erase the stereotype? Because James isn't trying to create a stereotype about rich people. Right? He isn't saying that wealth equals unholy. That's not what he's saying. Right? So you, you, can't, you can't lump all people that have wealth into this attitude that they are unholy. That, James isn't trying to do that either. Can we also just erase the stereotype that, you, that some people have taken from this passage and that says that this, look, hey, that's right. All rich people are jerks. Because that's not what he's saying. Right, because I also know poor people that have been jerks. Right, so that has nothing to do with it. And by the way, can we just also say that James isn't dealing here with an attitude that all rich people flaunt their wealth and they worship their wealth. That's not what he's trying to say. Right, so wealth isn't the issue, the heart is the issue. And I want you to know that some people have been given wealth as a gift from God. Some people have a gift to get up here and sing. Some people have been given the gift of wealth. To do what? To do the same thing the person gets up here and sings. To bless and to build God's kingdom. That's one of the reasons why God gives wealth. And I just want, I just got a big, an eye-opening statement to everybody here. Almost everyone listening to my voice online, in person, at one of our campuses, qualifies as rich did you realize that i get it inflation seems like you're not very rich right now if you've had to purchase gas lately like this little trip to omaha it was one of the more expensive trips to omaha let's just put it that way right But almost everyone listening to my voice is rich I mean take a look at this scale if your household your household So if you're married, if your household makes $50,000, which is going to be a lot of people listening to me, and and you have two adults and two kids, one dog and one cat, you're the average household, okay? Then check this out. You're part of the 10% richest people on planet Earth just by making $50,000. And with that $50,000 in your household, now you have 6.6 times more money than the average household in all of the world. Who are the rich that James is talking about? You thought it was the person that lived across town from you in that certain house that had that certain business. Nope, James is actually speaking to almost every single person who's listening to my voice right now. Isn't it amazing to think if you have 50 grand coming into your house, you're part of the 10%. Now, now, look, just escalate that. Just keep going up with that. Because the more money that comes into your house, the richer you are on this world. Maybe, maybe you're at some point of 10 to 15 times the world's median income coming into your home. You see, we're all rich here in America in one way or another even though we face our own inflation although we face our own numbers when it comes to the world that God loves we are incredibly rich people this is one of the reasons why I invite you to go on a go trip with me this is one of the reasons why I want you to go you know with me like our El Salvador trip it's full close the doors it's rather, it's why I want you to go to Cuba with me like 68 people said I want to go to Cuba right good because next week the information's rolling out And so of those 68, I can only take 12. You better be quick to sign up, right? That's why we have an India trip coming up, and I want you to go with me, all right? I'm gonna help be a part of that trip now. We just made that decision this last week. Sign up for the India trip. Go with me, why? Because when I get you overseas into some of the world's poorest countries, all of a sudden, you're gonna quickly understand you've been blessed to be a blessing. That's what's gonna impact your heart. You've been blessed to be a blessing, why? Because some of the most generous people I've ever met make $100 to $200 a month. Percentage-wise, when I've been in their house, they have taught me generosity at a whole nother level. Percentage-wise, they, will, they would outgive us, hands down. It may not be the same amount of zeros, but percentage-wise, they would teach us a lesson. The most faith-filled believers who live on planet Earth today are those that I've met in third world countries that don't have all the security blankets that we have. They don't have this, the employer invested 401Ks. They don't have the medical insurance. They don't have the savings accounts. They don't have the, the streets that are guarded and the neighborhoods that are guarded by you know, amazing police officers. They don't have that. My faith, personally, has been challenged beyond belief by people who we, the world, would call the poor. I want you to be a part, I want you to experience this. I want your life to be changed. I want your worldview, your God view to be changed and to be more and more like Christ. So in light of, in light of what James is talking about here, what in the world can we do? Well, first off, don't quit your day, day job and give everything away. Don't do it. You've been blessed to be a blessing. But here's what I would recommend. Surrender and submit all that you have to the leadership of Jesus Christ. Start being thankful for the smallest of blessings you have. The next time you get ready to consume a meal stop for a minute and give thanks to the lord for the hands who made it for the dollars that it, t- it took to buy it even if it was your hands to make it right and it was your dollars that bought it like give thanks to the lord for the smallest of things because at any given moment all of that stuff could go away so let's start repenting more you know start repenting more for the things we think our hands have built right and start admitting god nothing good comes unless it comes from you let's start activating prayers of faith in the face of adversity right start praying like you might be on your way to the doctor's office but pray on your way to the doctor's office god would you heal me may my dependency be on you you might be on the way to the pharmacy to get that next drug that's going to help make you whole like i'm on right now and i thank the lord for that but i also am thanking the lord for a supernatural power to stand in front of you and preach god's word today Right? I mean, maybe this, maybe when you see and you hear about need, be quick to pray and ask God, God, how do you want me to be a part of it? Don't let your heart grow calloused to the needs of others that are around this world. Maybe you could do this. Maybe you can start seeing yourself uh, as being blessed by God so that you can start being a blessing. Maybe you need to stop complaining about what you don't have and you need to start saying, God, thank you for what you have given me. I am blessed to be a blessing. Maybe you can just live to share everything you have. What if you lived to share everything you have? I got a friend who recently got a brand new Harley Davidson motorcycle. I mean, come on, somebody. The sound of that Harley Davidson going down the road is a beautiful sound. And he sends me a picture and he's like, man, you got to come over and you got to see this new motorcycle. Right, you come on, you got to get over here, man. We just got this thing. It's amazing. That's not really what impressed me, because I get it. He wants me to come over and see his beautiful motorcycle, and he's sending me a picture of it, and he's like, the picture doesn't even do it justice, bro. You've got to see it in the sunlight. Like, he wants me to come see it. He's proud of it, and I'm proud that he's got it. But it was what he said next that will forever resonate inside of my heart. He said, Jeff, you got to come over and see this thing. We've got a new toy to play with. And when he said we... He wasn't talking because he went on to explain it he wasn't talking about him and his wife and his family i was being included in the we what you just bought a brand new harley and one of your first thoughts is jeff hey come over and ride this thing now listen this guy and i we've done this with many different things by the way this is just one of a handful of things that we have said Whatever is mine is yours, and whatever is yours is mine. And we've shared these kinds of fun things with each other. We've, it's just been a blessing to both of us, and it's been a blessing to our families. But it sounds a lot like the early church, right, but in a really modern way. Acts 4.32, all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. It's a really modern way to do that. And I love that kind of generosity, right, of just sharing and recognizing. It, it all doesn't belong to me, right? And I'm not trying to impress you with what I have. I'm just trying to share what I have. And I love that. I love that. Thank you for including me. And so this attitude of how in the world can you be a follower of Jesus, right, if, if you start showing favoritism to some over others. Let's conclude here. In James chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, he says, Yes, indeed. It is good when you obey the royal law as found in the Scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you're committing a sin. You're guilty of breaking the law. Now look, I get it. Like This might sound like a, you know reiteration of everything we've heard of up to this moment. With one major exception. James here starts making it super clear that favoritism In our deeds and in our heart watch this though it's not just a suggestion like it's not good favoritism in our deeds and in our heart is a sin against the holiness of god so what does james do he challenges us to love others like god loves people how in the world does god love people john 3 16 remember how it starts for god so loved the what the world It doesn't say that God so loved certain people, that God so loved 98% of people, or that God so loved half of humanity, or that God loved certain people that are influential, powerful, or come from certain countries. It says that God so loved the world. He loved the world no matter what their skin color is, what country they come from, financial status they have, education level they have. It doesn't matter what political party they're a part of, by the way. It doesn't even matter what sin status they're living in right now. While we were still sinners Christ died for us. God so loved the world. He loves you. He loves those who are far from him. Remember what 2nd Peter 3:9 says? It says that God does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. Not part of the people, not 98% of the people, right? But everyone. All of humanity. That means that God isn't against the Russians or the Iranian people, by the way. He wants every single one of them to come to a saving grace. And that means that God isn't for American people more than he is for other people on this earth. Do I want God to bless America? Yes, I do. And I'm thankful for the blessings God has given us. But we need to know we are not the favorite chosen above all the others. We are part of humanity. On this earth that God wants to reach, we are part of his creation that God wants relationship with. So here's, look, just think about God's love for you in spite of your sinful past. Just for a moment. I'm not going to ask you to tell me what your sinful past is. I'm just going to ask you, in spite of your sinful past, just think about how much God loves you. Instead of calling you an enemy and dropping balls of fire on you, god extends grace thank the lord for that instead of turning his back on you god extends his hand of relationship towards you instead of writing you off as a lost cause jesus is right now interceding for your own victory instead of giving you right the title sinner Through the the sacrifice of Jesus, God gives you the right to be called saint. What? That's how much God loved us in spite of our sinful nature. And this gift of God is for everyone. The people right now in our hearts that we would show favoritism to some and not to others, God doesn't have that favoritism, God doesn't have that discrimination. God doesn't have those walls and those barriers in his heart. God wants to show this type of amazing, incredible love and grace to everyone. And so, the guys, look, the sooner that we embrace God's equal love toward all of humanity, the sooner that we, stop, we start avoiding favoritism, and the sooner that we'll love people just the same way that God loves people. So would you stand with me today? And would you just allow your heart to start embracing the heart of God that has an equal love shown to all? And would you ask for that amazing love to start breaking down the walls that are inside of your mind and inside of your heart and that maybe have even come out in our deeds? Father, we come to you right now. We, um, we are a sinful people. And we look at your humanity, you, we look at your creation, and we segregate one another into different groups. And for some groups, we feel much more comfortable loving than other groups. But Lord, your word reminds us today, how in the world can we call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ if we show any level of favoritism towards some over others? God, this is going to be a lifetime challenge for us. Some of us are going to wrestle with this for the rest of our lives and maybe never even really kind of see victory in this area. We're asking for your grace that's beyond our ability. We're asking, Lord, for this love that you have for humanity that's equal to come and penetrate our hearts, break, break through our hearts, break through the, the barriers and the chains in us so that we can truly be people that are proud to say we're lovers of Jesus and you can see it in the way we love others. So Lord, help tear down our walls that are being built by an enemy trying to divide us as a nation and trying to divide us as a world. Help us tear down these walls. Start praying for those that are maybe the most difficult for us to love. Start asking for you to give us your heart for those who are most challenged to love and so that you would transform our thoughts and our words and our deeds so that we love one another the way that you designed us to love each other just the way that you do. In Jesus' name. Amen.